the what and the how. We've been working with a Posik in the Torah, and we take it further today on the Posik being when Moshe tells Aaron and Elazar and Itamar after the death of Nadav and Avihu um, that they, Roshechem Al Lotifromu, you should not allow your hair to. Uh, to grow and you should not tear your clothes, the Lord Tamutu, and by not doing those things, you will not die. Uh, the Algemara brings a law of Shmuel that learns from that, that that's you, Aharon, Elazar, and Itamar, you will not die by allowing your hair to, by not allowing your hair to grow, in other words, by cutting your hair, and by not tearing your clothes the way a normal Avel would, then you will not be guilty of death. Um, however, Avel, an ordinary mourner, other than that particular case of <coughs> Aaron and Azar and Itamar, another mourner, Avel, we will learn from that, that Avel Shelo Parava Shelo Pirem, that a mourner who does not uh, allow his hair to grow, in other words, who cuts his hair, trims his beard, Veshelopirem uh, does not tear his clothes. Chayav Mita is guilty of death, which seems to be such an exaggerated statement. And yet, when there is an exaggerated statement such as this one, you know there's a, there's a matmonim, there's a precious treasure underneath it. We have to understand and examine because it seems to be so so enormously out of proportion. Out of all the things that one can do wrong, if a person just cuts his hair while he's in Avel, is that a reason to be guilty of death? Um, and the Ritvo says, of course, that's mita drabonon. We're talking about drabonon. We're not talking about execution. It's a mita bide shemaim. And the reason, says the Ritva, is ulufisha kol haover al divrei chachamim chayav mita bide shemaim. It's not only this law, but any law of the rabbis that one transgresses is a capital offense. Offense Again, not in the terms of a bait in executing a person, but in terms of being responsible for a, a capital offense in the eyes of Shemayim, in the eyes of Hashem. That's how serious transgressing the laws of the rabbis is. And once again, this continues to be exaggerated. Why would that be? And it's not as if this is the first time. We had it back in Eruvin, Dav uh, where we brought from the uh, from the pasuk Torah, be more careful about laws of the rabbis even than about laws of the Torah, uh, and therefore We had there in Erevin, Rava telling us that anybody who transgresses laws of the rabbis is transgressing a capital offense. Once again, it continues to be so exaggerated. And we have it further on in Masechet Sota, we'll get to it on Daftalad, that kol if a person consistently ignores the laws of netilat yadayim, washing one's hands before one eats at a meal, before one eats bread, one is uprooted from the world, from the world, says Rashi, because once again, if you, the laws of washing one's hands before a meal is a law of the rabbis, or the rabbonin, and if you transgress the law of the rabbonin, you miss it's a capital offense, and so it goes on. What is that? Why are there these exaggerated consequences, or these seemingly exaggerated consequences, to transgressing laws of the rabbi?
of the rabbis. Rabbeinu Yona, so now we're going to 13th century Spain, Rabbeinu Yona of Girona, um, who was the, the great halachist, uh, and the Baal Musar. He wrote the Share Tshuva, which is the piece we're going to, the Sefer we're going to be learning from now. Uh, and he was also the Rebbe of the, of the Rashbo, who became the Rebbe of the Ritvo. So that whole Spanish school of later Rishonim, um, a lot of it stems from Rabbeinu Yona. And Rabbeinu Yona tells us, now you need to know, he asks the question. He identifies the exaggeration and says, why is that? That transgressing the laws of the rabbi should entail a greater penalty than transgressing a law of the Torah. And he gives three reasons for that. The one is because the reason you don't do a rabbinic law is not because you don't identify with the Torah. You do identify with Torah. You say, I'm a, a Jew, I'm an Orthodox Jew, maybe even. Um, I'm certainly culturally Jewish, and my parents are Jewish, and I'm a Zionist. Uh, but the laws of the rabbis I don't take seriously. So it's done uh, out of disregard for the importance of the Torah. When one, when one is over a law of the Torah, it's because one doesn't believe in the Torah, or because one is overcome with a Yetzahara, but when one doesn't keep one of the laws of the rabbis, it's deliberate. It's because it's not important to one, and that's why it's so severe. The second reason Rabbeinu Yonah says is because he, such a person is far from tshuva, because tshuva is when a person feels remorse and regret. But when a person disobeys the laws of the rabbis because he thinks they're not so important, he's far from tshuva, because he doesn't think to himself, oh my goodness, what have I done? He thinks it's only a law of the rabbis. It's just a drabonin. How often... Do you hear that phrase? It's just a drabonin. It's only a law of the rabbis. That phrase stifles the opportunity of tshuva, and therefore it's chayev mita. It's such a serious capital offense. Um, and the third reason Rabbeinu Yonah says is because the laws of the rabbis are the manifestation and expression of principles of yirat Hashem, of, of fear of Hashem, of awe of Hashem. If one takes Hashem seriously, if one feels awe in the presence of Hashem, if one is concerned about not transgressing the word of Hashem, then the gzeirot, all the siagim, all the fences that the rabbis built in order to keep us away from coming vaguely close to doing something wrong, all of those things are things we would be very concerned about. And if we're not concerned about them and we disregard them, that means that God is not so much a source of, of yira in our lives, of true awe and fear of God, um, and we're not that concerned about getting close to doing a, a Doraita. The run, also from uh, Girona in Spain, but a hundred years after Rabbeinu Yona, and following in the, in the same direction, asks the same question and says, Zar, it looks very strange. How could there be that uh, transgressing the law of the rabbi is more serious than transgressing the law of the Torah? And he gives the answer, If one keeps the Torah but disregards the laws of the Rabbanan, of the rabbis, then it's not because one's been overcome with the Yetzirah, but it's mitzad habizayon. You actually cheapen the Torah and the laws of the rabbis, the halachot rabbonon, and therefore the Gemara and everything that goes with it. mitah. And that's why it's a capital offense, because it comes from a place of bizayon. So the common root in, in all of these answers given by Rabbeinu, Yonah, and the Ran is, 
it's the inner place from which you come from an external perspective perspective in terms of the action you've done clearly doing an isadoraita transgressing a torah law is a more serious action than transgressing a law of the rabbis however transgressing a laws of the rabbis at the rabbonin entails an inner place of such disrespect of such denial of the importance of torah and the centrality of hashem that inner place is what requires or what is considered to be and what is responsible for it being uh, a such a serious transgression a, a capital offense because it comes from a place of derech bizayon um of of a dis, relating to it with with disgrace and with a disdain um and that inner place of disdain is what is responsible for the capital offense according to these rishonim it's important to appreciate uh, the difference between Doraisa and Dorabonin, we explained in a matmonium a few weeks ago that the Doraisa is like a, a law of the world. When we talk about the law of gravity, when we talk about in economics, the law of supply and demand, when we talk about um, laws in the sense of they're embedded into reality, into the world, that kind of law, that's a law Doraisa. The a law of the Torah tells us how the world is built, how the universe is designed, what the laws are that govern and that drive the universe. But the Rabbonin is not so much the what of the universe, what the laws of the universe are, but rather the how to live. How to live in a universe that is governed by the laws of the Torah. How does an imperfect human being live according to a Torah that is so perfect? How does the world operate and how does a person operate in the world with the psychology of a human being, with the insecurities of a human being, with the yetzah tov and the yetzah ra, the defensiveness of a human being, all of those things, with all of our frailties, how do we operate in the world of Torah? That how is the derabonin. So somebody who ignores the, rabbi, the, the laws of the rabbis, the derabonins, is ignoring the how-to, which means I accept the Torah as a philosophic idea but I'm not that interested in making sure that I live the Torah, that my life is governed and informed by the Torah, because for that I need the Drabonin. That makes the Torah work. The Torah is not workable without the Drabonin. We know from the Torah that you have to put on tefillin, but we have no idea how you make a pair of tefillin. That's the Drabonin. We know from the Torah that you have to build a sukkah, but we have no idea how to build a sukkah. That's the Rabbonin. And so every law of the rabbis is the how-to. How do we cope with our insecurities and frailties and weaknesses and yet live a life of Torah? How do we build what the Torah wants of us? How do we raise a family that the Torah wants of us? Those are all the laws of the rabbis, not only in the old days, but all the time until our own present day when the Gedolei HaPoskim, the great Poskim, apply the principles of the Torah to modern life to make sure that we can live modern life as successful and engaged human beings within the framework of Torah, that's what a Drabonin is, and that's why a Drabonin is so important and, and so powerful. Just as an aside, it's important to appreciate, we've talked about the what and the how. The what are the writers? These are the laws. There's Shabbat, there's Yom Tif, there's Kashrut, there's Tuma and Taira, there's Beit HaMikdash, there's, there's all of these laws which are the laws of the Bria, the way the world is created, it's the what of the Torah. How do you do that? How do you shift an animal? How do you wear tefillin? Uh, how do you live a modern life according to, to Torah? That's all the laws of the rabbis. That's the how-to. What's missing is the why. It's so interesting that so little is written about the why. It's, it's later on, really, that we get into the why. The Rambam writes the Kuzari, writes the, the Moira Nebuchim, 
And, and Rabbi Yudah Levi writes the Kuzuri, and the Sefer HaChinuch gives reasons for the mitzvot. But until then, there's very little discussion about the reasons for the mitzvot. And that is because the philosophy is personal. Each person gives his own meaning and finds his or her own meaning in what they're doing. Meaning is not something you dictate. If it becomes a static philosophy dictated and handed down from, from the top, that's, that loses its personal appeal, that loses its connection. Philosophy, Rabbi Yeruchim says that Tama mitzvot, we talk, when we talk about the philosophy of the mitzvot, we often refer to it as Tama mitzvot. Tama means the taste of the mitzvah. Taste is personal. And taste is not the reason you do the mitzvah. You do the mitzvah because, it is, because that's how the world is built. That's how you live a successful life. But the Tama mitzvah is how do you find joy in it? How do you find taste in it? And that's very personal. And it changes for different people, different cultures, different eras. We have slightly different nuances in what the mitzvot need, mean to us. What's important, though, is when we develop our philosophy of mitzvot, it's developed from the totality of the Gemara. It's developed from the totality of the body of Torah. We can't take a little slice of the Torah and develop a whole philosophy out of that slice that doesn't take into account many other parts of the Torah. So one has to be able to be knowledgeable and familiar with the Torah in its entirety to be able to build a philosophy. And that's why we rely on the philosophic ideas of the great Torah philosophers from the time of Rishonim till, till the, modern, the modern times, because they know the whole Torah, and when they help us with philosophic issues, uh, they're helping it, us with it from a perspective and from a point of knowing the entire Torah and giving a philosophy that includes within it the perspective of the entire Torah, not just one little, little slice of the Torah. And so the what of the Torah is the Dorai, so those are the laws of the Torah. How we live the, the Torah life are the laws of the Rabbonin. And why we do the things we do is the, the personal nuance uh, of philosophy of Ta'ameh HaMitzvot that are also so, so very, very important. And it's important in our lives as leaders uh, to understand the differences between these three, three dimensions. Um, except when it's areas other than Torah, we usually start with the why. Why are we doing this? Why am I building a business? What is the function and the purpose of my team? Why am I making a product? So we start with a why in the in normal day-to-day -day affairs, and from the why we go to the what. So what do I need to do? And then we get to the how, uh, which is the strategic side of what, I, what I'm doing. So we go from why to what to how. Whereas when it comes to the Torah, to something which is divine, we start with a what. What does Hashem want from me? How do I live according to the way Hashem wants from me? And now, now that I know that clearly, let me study it in order to extract and extrapolate from it the why, the philosophy of my life.